you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addison's. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, welcome to Friday with the Addison's. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B and J Mac are on tap to help us uh, wrap up a week of programming. Today is a little bit special and a little bit different. We are going to be joined by our friends Garrett and Yvette Hampton, and we're going to be talking about their feature-length documentary that releases today, mm. Schoolhouse Rocked. The Homeschool Revolution. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about that, playing several clips so that we can have some conversation around it. I'm really looking forward to it because um, uh, we watched it with the big three mm-hmm. and it allowed for some incredible conversation even with them about what it is that we feel like the Lord has called us to do in homeschooling. And I know that we have so many parents, so many parents reach out to us and on occasion grandparents saying, what kind of information can I get to my kids uh, with regard to my grandkids? And so which that is very encouraging to read. Uh, but so many parents um, reaching out and saying, hey, I'm really concerned, and but I just don't know where to start. And I think um, a lot of the objections, a lot of the concerns that parents have um, are answered, if not all. I, man, I, I want to say all, but I, of course, there could <laughs> always be that one person who's like, right. well, you didn't talk about what you do if you've got 10 turtles. <laughs> and so no they don't the Hamptons don't address the 10 turtle family so I I guess you can't say all objections but um the bulk of the objections that people come up with when it comes to homeschooling the concerns the questions um the frightening nights that gets addressed in this documentary and it is so well done so I'm excited for us to be able to have a conversation around that uh Ken Ham is in it Brian Osborne uh Israel Wayne I mean just so many um that you would be familiar with on this program, uh, Dr. Carol Swain, uh, speaking to the issue of public school education, where it is, where it's come from, uh, where it is now, where it's going, and how this affects our kids. I mean, these are things yeah. that we talk about on a regular basis, right. but I don't think that we can talk about it too much. So that's coming up in the second and third segments, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to toggle back to yesterday's conversation just a little bit, Will okay. Great, because I feel like there may have been some stones that were uh, left unturned okay. um, in the conversation. And, and, and I want to be very careful here because our last caller, I think, uh, was Jerome, who mentioned specifically uh, Zoom church during the pandemic. Now, uh, when I was thinking about the question, what 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 happens or what if we just begin with the Bible? Mm-hmm. This was not to necessarily specifically target uh, what happened during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. This was more so to target where we are now and what people have normalized as uh-huh. accepted practice. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, that, oh, okay, well, it worked. And there are so many people who are like, what's even still the reason? Like, why do we even need to gather? I'm not talking about churches trying to respond to a context or in a context that we'd never been in before. Although I have some commentary about that. Uh, What I was more so trying to do 
was say, man, what if we begin with the Bible for all of our practices that would inform not only how we gather, um, but how we think about the way that we gather. Mm. So let me say this, because I think this is important. Um, Even in the midst of the pandemic, though, I think if we went to the word of God and said, what does the Bible say about the church gathering? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? If we went to the word of God first, if we weren't driven by mandates, if we weren't driven by prohibitions, if we weren't driven by edicts and ordinances, then we would have gone to the word of God and said, well, what does the Bible require of us? Because as a Christian, what we are saying in any culture in which we exist is that we cannot go beyond the scriptures, no matter who requires it of us. We, we can't ignore the word of God. So let me make my point here. Even in the midst of the pandemic, I think what probably should have happened more than it did, it did happen, but I think what should have happened more than it did was that congregations found ways to both honor these strongly worded requests. Okay. (laughs) Right. Um, But then also those honoring of the honoring of those strongly worded requests, uh, not violating the sacred charge of the scriptures. Mm. So if a, if a pastor said, well, okay, here's what the word requires of us. Right. So how can we first meet that obligation? That's the first and foremost obligation. Number one priority. And then number two. Okay. So in our state, They have put this, I hate to use the word, but prohibition in place or this requirement or this whatever, right? right? Then what you may have happened, and I'm just, I'm throwing this out here. You may have had um, pastors say, well, as some pastors did, we, and these things made headlines and we talked about them. We're going to break up services. Mm -hmm. So we're going to rotate. We're going to have this number in here. Then you guys all get out because this is the max number of people that we can have because we Christians exist in this ongoing tension in every culture, right? That we want to obey the laws of our land Mm -hmm. (laughs) as much as we can, even the strongly worded requests. Okay. (laughs) Um, For the glory of God, but we will not and cannot violate the scriptures in so doing. Amen. That's where civil disobedience comes into place. Right. And, and that's and that's where we say we start with the word of God. Now, let me tell you big picture why I think this is so important. And this is just a follow up from yesterday. I think this becomes vitally important. Because on the other side of our compromise is always loss of ground. Mm. So if you don't begin with the word of God as your straight edge and say this is why we operate this way, then what you actually set up for yourself what we set up for ourselves, Christians living in any kind of context, is that those people are extra. What they're doing, we don't all have to do. Mm. The Bible is, um, is optional in some of its application. Versus if all of us are going back to the word of God and saying this is what is required of us, like we, we can do no other, mm-hmm. then you almost um, provide for yourself a certain amount of insulation. Where you're saying, okay, well, the Christians, they're, man, they all, they're peculiar. (laughs) They're weird. Uh, Can you imagine an onlooking culture that would have said of us collectively, why aren't they afraid? They're weird. (laughs) They're weird that they are really, they believe that they'd still need to gather together. It would Mm. have taken the quote unquote church um, outside of the context of just a social gathering. Mm -hmm. 
It would have said to an onlooking culture, there's so much more to them than just that's their club. Right, right. Yeah. And so anyways, I just didn't know if you wanted to elaborate. <clears throat> no, I just, just like a dramatic I, I, pause if you're yeah, <laughs> because you're right. It, it, it seems like the distinction of being a Christian was kind of uh, uh, watered down by it's blurred a little bit. Yeah. By not standing. And you got to. And like you said, what's on the other side? So if you draw back or because of, you know, and say that we're not going to meet or we're not going to do this or whatever, because they said, you know, instead of adhering first to the word of God, then. I believe that they take notice of that and they're like, Absolutely. well, that was easy. Okay. Well, you know, we don't want to. And we're seeing to... it. Yeah. And so that's, that's the thing. And we have to be, we have to be all okay with being peculiar, being yes. weird, being, you know, that's part of the DNA of being a Christian that we yeah. will be, we will not be like the world. Right. And so I think, man, there was a lot lost in what happened, you know, by not standing on the word of God. Yeah. And, and, and if you if you kind of um, pull this back and, and kind of like pan out a little bit and move away from even just the just concentrating on the pandemic, if you look at um, areas of our engagement, culturally speaking, where we have done this, we've had the same type of consequences where there are different people who've said, well, you know, that's that's a that's a first century context when you talk about mm. what marriage is. Are you talking mm. about what you can recognize and what you can sanction? You say, Losing well, ground. you know, we, we have to, you see what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Do you see what I mean? And, and so then like what happens? It's like yeah. we're giving it away. It's like, yes. you know, it's not yes. even being taken it, That's right. as much as like, you know, there's a threat and then we're like, okay, well, go ahead, have it. Go, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's like us <laughs> giving these things away, you know, yeah. and steadily losing ground. Yeah. And, and that's my concern. That's my concern. And which is why I would say, look, even the Bible, can, guys, the Bible calls us, if we're honest and well-read, the Bible calls us to do uncomfortable and difficult things. The Bible calls us to go against our own natural inclination and to live according to a new natural <laughs> inclination. Mm. That is ours by the spirit of God. And so the question then becomes, okay, does the Bible call us to do things differently? Even in our gathering, do we just have a social club where we have high enrollment and, and people pay dues? Yikes. Mm. Or oh, is man. there something else? I'm sorry, guys. I just, <laughs> I'm just asking questions. Wow. I, I feel like phlegm. We're just talking. <laughs> I'm just asking questions. And does the Bible call us to a different standard of living hmm. that if you put it under a microscope, man, I mean, it, it pierces through and through like it. We we are a different group of people. We're a peculiar group of people. And again, supposed I'm telling be. you, we're supposed to be. <laughs> and again, shadows and types. The old <laughs> our kids love this right now. But shadows and types. And this is exactly what God did in the Old Testament with the people of Israel. He made a distinct people unto himself. He gave them different practices and rituals, making them distinct from the people around them. There was there was a major line drawn by these people um, because of God. Right. Mm. That this is what they do. This is what they don't do. It was a direct contrast to the people who lived in lands around them. And the same is true for this family of God today, that there are dark lines drawn 
around the family of God. There are major undeniable distinctions, things that we do and things that we don't do that demonstrate that we are a people separated unto the Lord. Mm. This, the people of Israel, it was a foreshadow of what God was going to do. Now this, please, oh, let me not replacement theology at all. Right. Okay. Right. Distinct people, but at the same time, a foreshadowing of what God does for the people that he separates unto himself. Mm. He makes them distinct in the earth. And that is what God has done with the body of Christ. And unfortunately, Unfortunately, we keep blurring that distinction where there are the hard, dark lines of distinction. We keep wanting to kind of like, um, what's the, 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 the painter with the fro, the late painter with the fro, Bob um, Ross, Bob Ross. We, we keep <laughs> wanting to make happy little blurs, <laughs> just a few blurs over here. And then you just blend that in ever so gently. Whereas, I mean, you know, the Lord gave the dark charcoal line. It's mm. <laughs> <laughs> They're different people. You do things right. differently. So so that was the question that I was asking. And this and, and in no way do I want this to sound like some sort of um, indictment on churches who were uh, trying to navigate as best they could, especially larger congregations. You know, there were, and I we got calls during the pandemic and we've got elderly people in our congregation. Can I say something? Um, the building is not the church. Come on. So. Again, getting back to my original question, what if we begin with the Bible? Then that may have meant that you say, okay, well, we got five or six people are going to meet over in so-and-so's house. These people are all good. You know what I mean? They've, mm-hmm. they've, they, they don't have any symptoms, right? right? So so they're going to gather. The word is going to be taught. They're going to sing unto the Lord. They, they, we, we are going to do what God expects us to do as believers. We're not going to just call it quits and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no. and, and and I think You're these right. things have a, a, a incredible or incredibly different context when you look at um, how the enemy begins to salivate when Christians give up ground. Man, he, he begins it. to say, see, they don't have to do that. Mm. They don't need that, don't quote unquote, that. Re- religious liberty. <laughs> they don't need that freedom. It, that's that is not a major component of them as a distinct people group. So unlike other religious groups that maybe they maybe need to be protected because look at what, you know, no, but they don't look at how freely they can give that up. And and so these things kind of have ripple effects. That's all I'm saying. And I think yeah. the bigger question is, what if we begin with the Bible? Mm. We If we begin with the Bible, we can face all kinds of mishaps around us, things popping off left and right. But we begin with what did God say and how do we navigate what we're facing by the means that the Lord God has already given us hmm. in his Man. word, in his word. All right. We're out of time for that segment. Aaron, the Addison, <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Yo, you I appreciate your grind. You I give do. me everything I need, but I really want your time. I, want your time. I must confess it's hard to express how I'm feeling, but I'm going blocks of bitterness quickly becoming builders. Listen, you're never home to the point that I don't notice when you're gone. I'm getting older, but I'm growing all alone. I'm all alone. How can you raise me? Knowing me, everything I do is just to get you to notice me. You realize you're the great influence in my life, and your absence just might be what's ruining my life. I got questions, but we don't talk on the You're not inadequate. You are perfectly capable. I mean, what is it about a parent that when their child turns five, all of a sudden the parent's no longer a viable option? Like, oh, you're done. Now it's the school's turn. 
I think the quality of education has steadily deteriorated in America. There is an agenda to steal our children. You feel inadequate because you've been taught by our school system that you're inadequate. We had no frame of reference for homeschooling other than it just seemed like torture. Like why would a sane woman choose to be locked up with her kids for 18 years in a row when a school bus would come and take them away and give you like a nine hour break every day? No one knows your child better than you do. And no one loves your child more than you do. And homeschooling changes the game on everything. Homeschooling allows us to say to the child, what sort of life do you want? What sort of God-given dreams, talents, and abilities is he speaking into you? And when we think about classroom education and we ask what makes for good education, almost every professional educator will say low student-teacher ratio, teachers who care, good methods, good curriculum. Well, in homeschooling, you get the best of all of those things. What we discovered is that it's very efficient to homeschool. You have the person who knows the student the best. You have the ability to customize the curriculum around the student. You have a great student-teacher ratio. And I realized I am accomplishing with Sierra in 25 minutes to an hour every day what is taking the school system eight hours a day, five days a week to accomplish with my older daughter. I loved watching the, the light bulb come on and watching her want to sit down and read with me. And I loved spending time with her. There are just so many benefits, including being able to have a relationship with your own children. Continue doing what you're doing. Don't give up, because I do believe that homeschool moms are America's greatest heroes. Hmm. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's. On American Family Radio, yes. we are so excited. Uh, that is a trailer from Schoolhouse Rock, The Homeschool Revolution, and it releases today. today. Don't worry, we're going to talk about how you can see it in all of its glory. Mm -hmm. um, as we interview our friends, Garrett and Yvette Hampton, um, who are the director and producer of this documentary. Garrett, Yvette, thank you so much for joining us. Thank yeah, you for thank having you. us. We are thrilled to be here with you today. So whenever we interview married couples, we always feel like it's just a public double date. Like we feel like we're just, <laughs> getting, to <laughs> just getting to hang out with a couple of our friends and do it publicly. But I am so excited about this. Um, we did get to watch the documentary with our big three. Um, the youngest is 11. And so then 13 and 14. And I say that just because for parents who may be deciding if they're going to watch it, um, I think at 11, JD, and also being kind of versed in what's happening in the culture today, he was ready to to watch that yeah. but man it was eye-opening for them and also very encouraging for them um before we get into the thick of it talking about schoolhouse rocked um i want you each to kind of share just a little bit of your background garrett i know that you worked in the hollywood movie industry and um saw and learned a lot <laughs> and you <laughs> kind of bring that background to what it is that the lord um has you doing now talk a little bit about that sure well even before i was in the movie industry and uh, and uh, above all of that, I'm a follower of Christ. Amen. And I understand that my purpose in whatever I'm doing is to glorify him. So yes. I did spend many years working in Hollywood. Um, and honestly, that work was fun. And I, I was excited by it, but it was not really glorifying to Christ. And so mm -hmm. several years ago, um, I realized it was time to go. And at the same time, I felt like our family was being called by the Lord out of California. Mm -hmm. And so our family took off on a journey to make this movie 
which was really all about um, glorifying Christ through building up families and teaching them uh, this art of family discipleship. So uh, above being a filmmaker, I'm just a family man. I'm a homeschool dad and I'm a follower of Christ. Praise God. Man, Amen. I love that. And, and and I love the orderedness uh, of, of that communication. It's so funny to me, though, Garrett, like when you say um, <laughs> we felt the Lord was calling us out of California. I think there are so many people who live in other states that are like, of course, of course. the Lord was calling. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> anyway. it's hard for us not to feel the same way for our friends who are still there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we want them to join us in Freedom Land. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my goodness, we have plenty of time to talk a little bit about that. And then Yvette, tell us a little bit about your background. So you would describe yourself, and and maybe it's putting it lightly to say that you were a reluctant homeschooler. Would you? Is it better to say that you were hostile to homeschooling? <laughs> I don't know that I would say hostile toward it, but reluctant, strongly reluctant. How about that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yes. We, we said we'd never, ever homeschool. And, um, you know, we actually had been married for almost 11 years before our oldest daughter was born. And, um, so we, we talked for so long. I mean, you know, through all those years of waiting and trying for, uh, to have children, we would talk about how we were going to bring them up and, and I would read parenting books and we talked about their education and, and the conversation always when it came to education, always ended with a, but we would never homeschool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why would we ever do that to ourselves or to our children? That would be terrible. And um, really, it was because we just didn't understand it. We had so many misconceptions. We believed all the negative stereotypes. You know, we, we if you bought into the propaganda, if you will, um, we just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, for the first, you know, decade of our marriage, that was where we stood. And even after Brooklyn, our oldest, was born, we still said that for the first several years until we were faced with the decision of what we were actually going to do. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that, you know, as, as Christians, we can think that we know something, we can think we have an opinion about something or even a conviction about something. But when you come face to face with it, everything kind of changes. And so yeah. because we hadn't, we didn't need to make that decision until it was actually time when it came time to put her in school we started looking at the public schools around us in la county and said wow that's not an option and then we were going to put her in a private christian school where i grew up Mm -hmm. and that was our plan but i would have had to work part-time in order for her to go to this christian school Mm -hmm. and in god's perfect time because he is so good and faithful and knows what we need way better than we know I ended up pregnant with my youngest daughter at that time, that that year. And so I thought, well, I can't work because I'm getting ready to have a baby in October. And, you know, and it was really pre-K. I mean, she was only four, so she was mm-hmm. going into pre-K. And I was like, well, how hard can that be? I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's pre-K. And so, yeah, yeah we, we jumped into it, um, you know, very reluctantly. Um, but God, God had bigger plans. Let's talk about how some of what you experienced and what you've learned over the years in educating your kids at home and even since 2016 traveling the country and um, visiting with and telling the stories of other homeschooling families. Let's talk about what you've learned and how it's made its way um, into this documentary, um, Schoolhouse Rocked. Well, the biggest thing I think we learned is that just about every mom who does this 
feels inadequate and incapable. Yes. And even more than that, we learned that really we are inadequate and incapable, mm. but through the spirit of God, he, he enables us to do this and to serve him well through our families. Um, so that was really, it was really encouraging to know that everybody we met was kind of in the same boat. And at the same time, it, it made us go out and say, well, now we have an opportunity to encourage these moms and let them know, look, God is going gonna, is gonna to walk with you through this. And in the end, it's going to glorify him and it's going to be a blessing to your family. Um, but the other thing we learned was more of a deepened conviction. I think when we started this movie, we were um, we believed that homeschooling was a good option for our family and that it was a good option for other families who could do it and who were feeling called. And through the five years that, that we made the movie, we've seen culture move in a way that is just honestly terrifying. Yes. And so much of that is a fallout of generations of kids being educated by the state yeah. who really hates their families and hates their eternal souls. And so over the years, our conviction actually got deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to the point where now when the movie comes out, we really want to tell parents, guys, it's time. The building is on fire. Get your <laughs> kids out. Save their souls. Mm. And we really believe that it's critical for everyone who has the ability to take back the hearts of their children. Um, we truly believe that this is the fuel for revival. And this mm. is the key to saving the church and saving the nation. And so, you mm. know, it was more than really just a learning process. It was really God convicting our hearts and, and raising us up at the same time to go out and tell people, really, truly, you have to do this if you can. Wow. Man, you know, Garrett, to the point that you just made there, and this is highlighted repeatedly in the movie, um, the fallout, what we're seeing right now is the result of generations that we've lost. And, and Willa Gray, I want to play mm -hmm. this clip and then I want to come out of it and maybe kind of get Yvette's response to it because that's so much of what gets expressed that is that we have been and continue to lose generations of the church. This is mm -hmm. clip two. You don't just lose a generation of children. You know, we're talking about the millennials as if they just decided to up and leave. You lose a generation of grandparents and you lose a generation of parents and then you lose a generation of children. And that's really what's happened in our culture is that we had generations of kids from the church who started to doubt God's word and that doubt leads to unbelief. And a lot of them are walking away from the church. Two thirds of young people have walked away from the church by the time they reach college age, very few returning. Uh, the younger generation that are in our churches, uh, the millennials in our churches, 40% uh, say they're not born again, 65% say if you're a good person you'll go to heaven, and they're so secularized in their thinking. It, it really comes down to the fact that most of them went to a public school uh, where uh, they haven't been taught how to defend the Christian faith, and at home we're not giving them the answers, and at churches we're not giving them the answers, so many of them drift away from the Christian faith. We need to empower our children with answers. If we believe in Judeo-Christian values and ethics, we need to be bringing that into the culture, not removing it from the culture, right? And so we need to empower our children to be able to argue on behalf of their beliefs. Mm, okay, so first of all, let's do this. 
um, help us identify some of those voices. I know that one male voice, um, a lot of people will recognize. That's Tony Evans. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was Ken Ham. Everybody knew that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to both gentlemen involved. Um, but help us recognize some of those other voices who are making the point that we're losing generations and not equipping our kids. Yes, absolutely. So, so you heard um, Heidi St. John, Ken mm -hmm. Ham, like you mentioned, um, Sam Sorbo, mm -hmm. and uh, Israel Wayne. Yes, I think those are the, the four main voices there in that clip. And um, and absolutely, I mean, this is really what his, what is happening. You know, Garrett mentioned before about you know moms feeling ill-equipped, and you know, just generations of, of families who really have lost their children. Um, we grew up thinking you just put your kids in school, you know, I mean, why, why would we think anything differently? Because that's what society has told us. Yeah. And it's what we've been conditioned to believe. And so Christian parents, you know, it's over 80% of Christian parents have their children in public school systems. Hmm. And, and they don't think twice about it. You know, we, we didn't, we just thought, well, that's just, it's what you do. You put your kids in school. You, you don't bring them home. I mean, that's the job of the teacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm not educated as a teacher. I don't have a degree. I'm not organized enough. I'm not all the things. And that's to be left to the experts. And so for, you know, decades and decades, for generation after generation, that is what has been the mindset of parents without ever questioning it. And so this is the result. You look at our society, where we are today, and this is what we get. We get, a, you know, where we are today because Parents have abdicated their role of discipling the hearts of their children, and they've left it to the the church. and And that was mentioned in in that little clip. There yeah. is, we think, you know, well, we take our kids to church, and, and this was kind of our our thought too. I guess was, you know, our kids are involved in church. We, you know, Garrett worked on church staff, and we were super involved in our church. And they go to Awana, and we go every Sunday, and we serve in church, and so they're getting the God that they need. And we read the Bible with them every day that we always have, you know, pretty much since they were born. But what we didn't understand was that when our children are away from us for five days a week, seven hours or more a day mm -hmm. from kindergarten through 12th grade, mm -hmm. they're apart from their parents for over 16,000 hours. Yes. I mean, you let that sink in and that is a really long time, 16,000 hours. And that's just the academic day. That doesn't include any extracurricular activities or anything else. And that's a lot of time to lose influence over our kids. And because we've seen that happen generation after generation after generation, our, our society has just declined because parents have given up that responsibility. So we are um, about to hit a break here in just a little bit, and I want to continue this conversation. But before we do that, can we let our listeners know how they can access the movie? How can they view it? Where can they find it? And how can they learn more about you guys? Yeah. So the movie is available today. And if you go to schoolhouserocked.com, it's rocked with an ED at the end. Uh, you can watch the film today and you can learn everything about us and the ministry of Schoolhouse Rocked and uh, just get plugged in. We'd love to see you there. Okay, so that's Schoolhouse Rocked with an ED at the end, schoolhouserocked.com. They'll be able to watch the documentary there. Um, and I also discovered while I was on your website that you also have resources available. So if people are listening and they're kind of like on the fence or trying to figure out, trying to navigate, or maybe they're already homeschooling and still have questions, there are also resources available at the website, schoolhouserocked.com. Check out the movie. You can do it by going to schoolhouserocked.com. 
Uh, We're going to grab this break. And then when we come back on the other side of the break, we want to talk about this false idea that our government schools are neutral, that our government schools are not religious schools. Um, This is explored in the documentary and and it's pretty eye opening. So we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Turning back once you see the light. Sin was looking black, but he washed it white. I'm just stating facts, I ain't trying to fight. The word in my lamp, catch me following the light. Light, light. Oh. Word in my lamp, catch me following the light. Light, light. Oh. Often when I speak and I talk about the need to equip ourselves with a biblical worldview, and I and I'll mention to my audience that we got to recognize that around 90% of kids from church homes go to the public schools. And in those public schools, in a real sense, secularism, naturalism, atheism is the new religion of that system. The system itself is inherently atheistic because the system itself assumes right up front that you don't need God to explain anything that you can explain all things, biology, anthropology, astronomy, mathematics, uh, everything without God, without the Bible. That is the religion of humanism, naturalism, atheism. And for so many Christian parents, when we send our kids to that system, they're there for almost 40 hours a week, nine months out of the year, uh, and they're getting really hit with this atheistic worldview and all the reasons, really, the atheistic worldview must be true. And if that's true, then the Bible can't be true. Mm, welcome back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Man, I'm telling you, when we start making these connections, I think that there was something that is stirred or awakened in us that was just kind of lying dormant. And and I think the thought that our public education system is somehow neutral. It's like we've believed that because that's what we were told. But when you really start to drill down, you find something completely different. Um, That is a clip from uh, the documentary, the feature film documentary releasing today, Schoolhouse Rocked, Mm -hmm. The Homeschool Revolution. And I believe that was the voice of Brian Osborne from Answers in Genesis. Garrett, Yvette, am I right about that? You are. Brian plays a huge, huge part in the movie. He did a great job. Let's have a conversation around this, this false notion that um, the public school system is neutral. Um, How do parents serve their kids better um, when they understand that this isn't so? How how do we make sense of that? Well, you know, the Bible tells us specifically where to train the hearts of our children. If you look at Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children Mm -hmm. and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. That's the word of God. And what he is saying there is that all the time we need to be teaching our children to have their minds set on the things above. And when we send our kids off to school, it's easy to get lulled into thinking that they're going there to learn math and they're going there to learn English and they're going there to learn history. And even those things aren't being taught well, but the truth is they're not going there to learn academics. What they're going there to do is be indoctrinated. And here's Mm -hmm. the thing. It's really easy to say, oh, they're being indoctrinated in public school and not have that totally understood. 
but the teaching of doctrine is central to education. Everything we do when we are learning, we are learning the doctrines of those principles. And the principles and doctrines of public schools are all based around some very anti-Christian worldviews, those being secular humanism, uh, Marxism, statism. And what so many parents don't realize is that public schools are not failing. It's really, it's tempting to look at public schools and go, oh man, academic scores are down, reading is down, the public schools are failing. And instead, public schools are actually a raving success when you realize that they are the most effective evangelistic organization in the world. Mm. Most of the kids oh that goodness. go through public schools come out devout converts to the religion of the public schools. <laughs> wow. And parents miss this fact. Um, it's one of the things that my wife and I have said many, many times over the years is we would rather have our kids not be educated in academics than be educated in academics, but walk away with their minds completely and their hearts completely turned away from Christ. Oh. Because what truly matters is their eternal souls. Amen. Now, the blessing of homeschooling is that while we're training their eternal souls, they're also being raised up in great academics and we're integrating the, the Bible into all of that. They're building a biblical worldview and we're building their minds on the true basis of knowledge, which the Bible tells us is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And opposed to that is the teaching that the fear of the state the fear of man and even the mm. fear of your parents and the peer, fear of your peers is truly what matters. That's what's being taught in public school. Mm. Garrett, can I wow. chime in here as you, well? Oh Maybe. my goodness, yes. He just spoke a book. Go right, right. ahead. I mean, this is this is yeah. Go right ahead. Oh my you know, goodness. When, if, when when we very first um, started homeschooling, one of the pieces of scripture that really spoke to us as parents was Psalm one verses one and two, and it says, "Blessed is the man." who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And I had read that verse, you know, hundreds of times before that, but it, it never really came alive to me until we started homeschooling our kids and realizing that they cannot meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, as Psalm 1 says, if they're apart from their parents or if they're in an institution that's teaching them everything that's contrary to the word of God, they mm -hmm. simply can't. You, you mm -hmm. can't have it both ways. You cannot be on both sides of the fence. So if you're putting them in a school that's teaching them, you know, humanism and Marxism yeah. and socialism and everything else, they cannot possibly meditate on the law of the Lord and, and deepen their, their understanding of God and his creation um, and then a another verse that really struck us was uh, Luke 6, 40. It says a disciple is not above his teacher, Come on. but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And we talk about this in the movie because you ha parents have to ask the question, who's teaching my kids? And too oftentimes parents think, oh, we live in a really nice town. We have really safe schools. We have really good teachers. Our administrators are Christians. Their teacher is a Christian, but it's not the teacher. It's the system. As right. Sam Sorbo talks about in the movie, right. that is after the hearts of our children. And so teachers, you know, there are a lot of great Christian teachers who really do That's love their right. kids, but yes. their hands are tied. That's and, right. you know, our kids are going to become like the one who is teaching them. And so then we have to ask that question, who is teaching them? 
for those 16,000 hours of their childhood. Man, oh my goodness, you guys, there's so much um, that we could just kind of pull out of what you just said. Here's what I want to go back to, though, because what I hear both of you saying is that we've got to have a repositioning of our objectives as Christian parents. Like we've we've got to because if you think about it, guys, now, look, we love our country like there is no doubt about that. And I don't know why I always have to preface or give a disclaimer. (laughs) We love our country. Okay, but we have to understand that we have been deposited in this country as Christians. We are Christians first. And so what often happens is people go after the American dream and they want the American dream for their kids. And they've been told this is the way this is the path to securing that dream. And so then what takes a back seat is our kids salvation, our kids Mm -hmm. thoroughly knowing the Lord and meditating on his law day and night. Like these these are not the things that become important because those are not the things that produce the house and the car and the career. Those, those things don't come from being steeped in the word of God according to our culture. So my question then is this, how do we start a revolution where the priorities and the objectives of parents change? Yeah, the, the revolution really starts one family at a time. Mm-hmm. But here's the great news. I believe it's already started. We see signs of revolution every time we go to a homeschool uh, convention and we'll see a few thousand families walking together and it's mom and dad and the kids. And there are so many of these families walking together in the same direction. And that direction is this. We are intent on raising up our kids to know the Lord. Mm. Um, The other thing you mentioned, though, is this. You said, you know, those things don't accomplish the American dream, right? But as Christians, our focus always has to be on God's word. And God says Amen. in Matthew six thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God Amen. and his Amen. righteousness. Amen. And all these things will be added yes. to you. That's right. Yes. He knows. He knows what the priorities should be. So you're exactly right. The priorities of, of the church especially have to be realigned. Here's the practical side of it, though. The priorities of this nation have to be realigned. Mm. We live now in a godless nation. Mm. And the remnant in the church is is literally um, on life support. Mm. And we see the symptoms all around us. You know, last summer there were 100 days of fires and rioting in Portland. Over 100 days. That does not come out of having a, a properly centered worldview. That is severely dysfunctional. And when we say, well, it's mostly peaceful, it's fiery, but mostly peaceful. <laughs> Come on, Everyone right. <laughs> recognizes that as a fallacy. And yet we continue to pursue the things that give us that outcome. Mm. Miki, you talked before the previous break about being distinct. Mm. And yet this is the area where the church is the least distinct from the culture. Mm. We do what everybody else does with our kids. And when mm. we do it, we get the exact same results as everybody else. Oh, man, that's guys. Let's just be real (laughs) here. And I'm so glad that you guys are friends. That's just hard to hear. And, yeah. and you know it, we know it, that's hard to hear. And, and when we have these conversations, and I'm so glad, I am so thankful that you guys affirmed our Christian teachers who are in the public school system and they are missionaries. They are doing the work that the Lord has sent them to do. But we hear from teachers all the time that just as you said, their hands are tied. So there's mm-hmm. only so much that they can do. They've been given a set of like, okay, here's your curriculum. 
Here's what we're telling you that you're going to have to teach. And there are so many teachers who are sending us documents and saying, hey, this is the latest thing here. You know, we were at a conference just recently here where an instructor stood up and asked a question and said, hey, this is what I'm going to be forced to facilitate. My question is, how do I respond to this as a teacher? What 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 do I do? And so the reality is that this is uncomfortable for us to hear. But as you put it rightly, we live in a godless nation. We live in a nation that has forgotten God. Yeah. And we can pretend that that isn't so, but we do that to, to our own disadvantage. Mm-hmm. One of the things I want to do again um, before we run out of too much time is I want to make sure that our listeners understand that we are having a conversation around your feature documentary, your feature film, Schoolhouse Rocked, The Homeschool Revolution, Schoolhouse Rocked, The Homeschool Revolution. And our listeners can go to Schoolhouse Rocked, E-D, schoolhouserocked.com, and they can watch the film. Um, but there are other ways that they can enjoy this documentary. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, we, we really wanted the documentary to be the door to a whole world of homeschooling resources. And so they can bring the film to their church or they can watch it at home with with friends and family, which is really a great opportunity to spread um, really important information, but also to get together and spread the gospel. Mm -hmm. But mostly, I really want to encourage pastors, because this is an area that so few pastors will will breach in the church, Mm -hmm. is pastors, it's time now to call your flock to train the hearts of their children. This is an opportunity for you. You can go to Schoolhouse Rocked and sign up to bring the church to your, or bring the film to your church and to show it to your flock and truly see hearts change. And it's now time, pastors, there's no more time to wait. You really have to do this. Um, but in addition to the film, we didn't wanna just bring people in and say, yay, now you're homeschooling, deal with it. We wanted <laughs> to provide a wealth of resources to walk with them through this journey. And so uh, we've just published, I believe like the th- 337th episode of the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Wonderful. And as of today, we published the Homeschool Survival Kit, which is 60 pages of encouragement and resources for homeschoolers and over four hours of content that's absolutely free. We want to come beside you and say, you can do this. Let's do it together. Let's do it for the glory of God. Hmm. Man, we're not going to have a lot of time on the other side of this other clip, so I want to choose a short one. I think it's clip five, Will the Great, and I think we're going to hear the voice of Heidi St. John, who is responding to one of the uh, common objections that you can't shelter your children or that you just are trying to shelter your children. Here she is responding to that. A mom said to me one time, aren't you worried about sheltering your children? And I said to her, we care more about sheltering tomato plants in the culture right now than we do about our precious children. And so if someone wants to accuse me of sheltering my children, my answer is always absolutely yes. I will shelter my child until I know my child can stand up against the elements of the culture so that they can grow to maturity. And we slowly begin to remove the shelter from around them as we see that they are mature and that they understand the battle lines around them and can engage the culture from a position of strength rather than weakness. Oh, man, engage the culture from a position of strength rather than weakness. Garrett, Yvette, we got about a minute. How can parents grow in this mandate? Like, how, how do we take more seriously what it is that God has called us to do as parents for the sake of our children? 
Yeah, I think the one thing we need to do as parents is be in God's word and be in communion with other believers and with God. Allow his spirit to strengthen you for the task because it is a battle. We see in Ephesians 6 that we are in a raging spiritual battle and we have to be properly prepared to mm -hmm. fight off the schemes of the devil and to take mm -hmm. those darts. Oh man, Garrett Yvette Hampton, the director and producer of Schoolhouse Rocked, the homeschool revolution. You can go to schoolhouserocked.com. We're out of time until Monday, Lord willing. God bless.